Anybody love the Word of God? The Word of God is a rock, an anchor for us as we navigate this crazy life. And so I can't tell you how many times the Bible, the Word of God, have been, has been refreshing to me as I've navigated different seasons of life. I want you to go to Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 5. It says, those who live according to the flesh have their mindset on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mindset on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death. But the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. How many could use some peace? The mind set on the Spirit of God produces life and peace. I don't know if you know what a mindset is. A mindset is anything that you set your mind on. I know, I know. I'm, I, I was top of my class. It, it, whatever you set your mind on consistently becomes your mind, mindset. There's not a random fleeting thought that you have a mindset about. It's, it's a thought that you consistently think that now becomes your mindset. If you've got a mindset about your life, a mindset about your business, a mindset about your marriage, a mindset maybe about your sports team, a mindset about, you set your mind. Some of you Cowboy fans need to have a different mindset. I'm saying, we've got, we got to turn some things around. A mindset is established by whatever you set your mind on. Life and peace are not a gift that God just gives us. Life and peace, from Romans chapter 8, we learn are a byproduct of a mind that's set on God. You know when it's hard to have your mind set on God? When the world's going crazy. Do you know when it's more important than ever to have your mind set on God? When the world is going crazy. That, that right now more than ever is an opportunity to set our mind on what his spirit desires. A mind that's governed by the spirit looks like truth. A mind that's governed by the spirit looks like freedom. A mind that's governed by the spirit looks like peace. In, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, it's an interesting scripture and really gives us kind of some parameters on how to take control of our thought life. It says in chapter 10 verse 4, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. And Paul teaches us that the, 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 the walk of faith is a fight of faith. But we don't fight like the world fights. So we, we don't have weapons like the world has weapons. It says that the, the, there is divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments. Where do arguments happen? In, in your mind. You don't see an argument. You usually hear an argument or you're thinking an argument. And every lofty opinion... Raised against the knowledge of God. And take every thought captive. Everybody say captive. Take it captive to obey Christ. Did you know the greatest battle that you're ever going to face is not the battle that we can see. It's the battle that takes place in your mind. Maybe the battle we can see starts a battle that we cannot see. But the greatest battle that you'll ever fight is the fight that you will fight in your thought life, in your mind. Your thoughts direct your life. Your thoughts have power. Your thoughts cannot run free. Your thoughts, according to this scripture, have to be captured. 
I, I want you to think about this as we move through this message. Our lives will move in the direction of our most dominant thought. Our lives will, 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 will naturally gravitate or move in the direction of our most dominant thought. Now, we're going to do the same thing we did last week. We're going to do it again. Okay, ready? I want you to think about what you've been thinking about. I want you to think about what's that dominant thought. Is it, is it positive? Is it faith-filled? Is it fear-filled? What's the dominant thought? Is it love? Is it forgiveness? Is it grace? Is it resentment? Is it bitterness? Is it regret? Your life will move in the direction of your most dominant thought. The life we live is a reflection of the thoughts that we think. If, if you see somebody that, that's just like, they just have this positive thing about them. You know, these positive people. It's like sometimes it's like, man, how can you be that positive? How can you always be positive? I guarantee you they're not thinking negatively. It's not negative thoughts that's leading to a positive outflow. It, it, it's somewhere, neurologically, there's positive thoughts that are leading to a positive life. Because you cannot have a positive life in a negative mind. The, 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 those, those don't coexist. If I begin to have a positive life, faith-filled life, then it will begin to, thinking in my thought life, it will begin to show in my life. Now this scripture, it's interesting, it says this, that, that we have divine power, God-given power, supernatural power to destroy what? Not people, strongholds. Now this is the truth, everybody's got strongholds. Strongholds are not these crazy demonic fortresses that, that, that possess you and take you over. Strongholds look like collections of thoughts that are anti the truth of God's word, that are demonic in nature, but it's not the same as, as being demonically oppressed or possessed, but it's a strong, it's, it's a pattern of thinking. So some of you are in a pattern of thinking that is completely negative, that's, that's thinking about your business and it's always negative. You're just waiting for the other shoe to drop. You're waiting for something to go wrong. You're waiting for bad news to come in the mail. And, and, and you have a stronghold of negativity. This scripture is saying that you have divine power. You do. You have power to tear down strongholds. That stronghold is a collection of, I like to say it this way, it's a well-worn pathway. So when I was growing up, and my, my dad will remember this, in, in Washington State, my, my dad's like really particular about his yard. And so he's going to have a hard time in Texas because we don't have the same grass that we have in the Northwest. Our grass in the Northwest is green. <laughs> so that's culture shock in and of itself. It's like we've got shades of brown. And, and, and in our grass, when you would mow the grass, um, I think it was reverse psychology looking back now uh, because I couldn't wait to mow the lawn. But my dad wouldn't let me because the lines had to be straight, you know, straight lines. And, and then the way you turn had to be right because you can't, like, overlap the lines the wrong way. Some of y'all don't even know about this. I mean, it's like a whole new world. YouTube it. I mean, it's real. These dads are crazy out there. And, 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 and so these lines had to be straight. I'm, like, begging him to let him mow. Dad, please, let me mow the lawn. When am I going to be old enough to? I'll pay you to let me mow the lawn. And I think it was reverse psychology because then that became, inevitably, my job for the rest of my life until I had to move out. And, 
it, it's, it's interesting that in the backyard, uh, there, was a, there was a gate that we had that led to uh, a property behind us that we'd always go play. And so all of us kids would go, and, and when you went out of the house, you would go through the yard, and we would always go on the same path. And when you go on the same path, no matter how much he fertilized the yard or how well he mowed the yard, when all five of us kids were walking on the same path, it made a worn down trail. And when you would look outside, you could see the trail that would go through the grass and out the gate into the other property because that's where we always walked. This is the best example that you can have of the way neurologically your thought patterns are developed. It's well-worn path. You can fertilize your brain. You can come to church. You can be in worship. But if you don't change the way that you think, you will, nav you will naturally gravitate towards the well-worn path. That's why each of us have our own battle with cycles of thought that are different from one another, but it seems like it's our thing that we always go to. Now, I don't know if we got any married people in the, in the church right now that can... In the first service, they did not agree with me. Okay, so that, I felt alone. But if you're, you're married in the place, and, and I don't know if you've ever had this happen, you've been in an argument or a discussion, as us Christians call it. And you're in a discussion, and um, inevitably something happens that the situation's here, but it sparks something that happened. Like over here. Like three weeks into dating, this thing, you know. And now we're talking about, we've been married for 16, that's, it's too personal. I'm, I'm it's supposed to be hypothetical, okay. And, and it's, it's interesting how things that affect you then very easily affect you now. And let me just ask you this question. Why are we stuck in the same pathways that we have been stuck on for some of us for decades? It's because there is a stronghold. Well, don't tell me I have a stronghold, Pastor. You have a stronghold. I love you. But Jesus is going to set you free today. Because anywhere that you can't have power, authority, or freedom is the area that God wants to demonstrate his power so that you can be free. So don't get hung up on the word stronghold, just get hung up on the word freedom, that any cycle of thought that the enemy is trying to pull you back to, God wants to set you free in so that you don't have to walk that path any longer. Now when we talked last week about Romans chapter 12, it says be transformed by the renewing of your mind. This picture in the Greek is literally a well-worn path that now has been shaken out so that there's no more paths. And that now you establish new neurological pathways according to the word of God. So some of you are doing this in your faith. Is you started coming to church and, and, and you got saved and you've, you, God has set you free. And now you're setting new neurological pathways. Having faith in God. Reading the word of God. Praying. Worshipping. You are establishing new pathways. And when trouble hits, you really know where the pathways have been forged. Because where your thought process goes in crisis are the paths that you have worn down the most. When things are good and you just love Jesus and you're worshiping and praising and dancing, that's great. I love it. But when crisis hits, wherever your worn pathway goes, that is an identification of an area where you might need to, well, this is what the scripture says, take thoughts captive. If you don't take your thoughts captive, your thoughts 
will take you captive. There is no neutral when it comes to the mind. You either take them captive or they take you captive. You either control them or they control you. So let me, let me give you this, just a couple steps in how to take your thoughts captive. You ready? How to take your thoughts captive. Meditate. It's going to be really simple. Meditate on the truth. If you do not know what the truth is, you will never be able to identify what a lie is. You have to have some element of contrast to be able to identify what are the lies that I'm believing about myself, about my self-image, about my anointing, about my call, about my family, about my future. I have to know what the truth is so that I can identify well-worn pathways that are not of God. The way you know the truth is you have to, this is going to be, this is going to be like brand new to everybody in church, you have to read your Bible. I know it's like a little antiquated. Like we, not just podcasts about the Bible. Not just YouTubers about their perspective of the Bible. I'm talking you in your prayer closet actually reading the Bible. Turning it on you version. Turn it on loud and listen to it over and over. In fact, meditate is not to get through your Bible reading plan. Meditate means, means to think and to ponder. So think about this. Think, just think. Think about the last time we really thought about what the Bible says. I mean, I know, some, I do the same thing. I'm reading, I'm just, man, I'm reading, I'm reading, I'm reading. But think about this. Don't be anxious about anything. But pray about everything. Let's just think about that for a minute. You thinking? Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. Let's just meditate on it. Let's think about it for a minute. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Let's just think about it. Let, let's think of when you begin to meditate on the truth, you will be able to easily identify lies. And all of a sudden when you fill yourself with so much truth, it becomes so easy now to identify when the enemy tries to come at your mind or your thinking, you know that's not of God. And I have to take that thought captive. You have to know the truth for the truth to be able to set you free. Because this is what John chapter 8 verse 31 says, to the Jews who had believed him, who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Verse 32 says, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Everybody wants to talk about the truth setting them free. But nobody wants to read the rest of the scripture. It says they were holding to his teaching. It says they were doing what he said. They said, they said that you, if you hold to my teaching, you're really my disciples. Nobody wants to read verse 31. It says, and then you will know, how do you know the truth? By being his disciple. By meditating on his word. And then you will be able to know the truth. And the truth will set you free. It's not just knowledge of the truth. It's application of the truth. It's not just the truth that I heard about. It's the truth that I apply to my life. That truth sets me free. 
But it's not enough for you just to hear it from me. You have to have a hunger in your own heart to get in your Bible and to begin to study and to begin to read and to begin to listen and get the word into you. I know you don't understand it all, but if you get the word into you, the Holy Spirit will begin to reveal to you from his word, scriptures, verses, ideas that will help you structure your life. You don't, you don't have to get into all kind of crazy theologies and eschatology and talk about the second coming of Jesus and if he's coming pre-tribulation or post-tribulation or mid-tribulation. My dad used to say pan-tribulation, pan-trib, just pan out in the end. That's what I like. It just You'll figure it out. It's like, don't worry. All these people trying to guess when Jesus is going to come back and the Bible actually, nobody read the Bible. It says no man knows the day or the hour. It's like we got all these crazy people trying to guess. Some of you are like, well, I tried to get, God told me. No, he didn't. What God wrote is bigger than what God told. And he said, nobody knows the day or the hour. So stop. You know, just put my hand in my pocket, stop. I have to meditate on his truth, on the word of God. Number two, I have to measure my thoughts, because my thoughts are not true. The truth is truth. So I measure my thoughts against the truth. I, I have to measure my thing. I have to, I have to look at my thoughts and say, how does this measure up against the truth? I think for many Christians, we just don't think enough, for real. We just don't think enough. It's like, okay, I, I got the word, and I got my thoughts. Well, your thoughts need to be overlaid by the word, so that the word disciplines or disciples your thinking. You cannot defeat what you cannot define. Which means this, if you can't find the lie, you will never overcome the lie. So I have to be able to know, man, this is the way the enemy comes to me. You know, you know how the enemy comes at me sometimes? The enemy comes at me through insecurity. I do this every single week. And do you know every single week I have to battle a narrative in my mind? Of what are you gonna, what are you gonna say today? Is it gonna be what the people need? Is it what God said? Is it what you studied? Are you gonna remember what you studied? The world is in chaos. Are you the right person to talk? Why would you say something today? Can you call in sick? <laughs> that may or may not have happened this morning. <laughs> it's a narrative. I have the same thoughts. That you have, and we have to, when I measure those thoughts against the truth of God's word, I'm called by God. I'm, I'm obedient to him. I've studied myself approved in the word. I, I'm not called by people, by man, by woman. I'm called by God. So I'm, I have a yes in my spirit. When I begin to measure my thoughts against his truth, the thoughts have to bow. Or, this is the last one, or they become, or they are taken captive. So this is number three. Number three is make the thought obey by repeating the truth. I got the truth. I got my thought. But it's not done yet. Man, I got a lot of lies, pastor. Now take the lies and make them bow to the truth. And the more that you make them bow to the truth, the more you will establish a worn pathway in which your life will follow. And instead of immediately going to fear and dread, you go to faith and prayer. And instead of immediately going to craze, anger, temper tantrums, you go to self-control and dependence on God. 
you, you, you wear out a different pathway because of your measuring the thought against God's truth. Romans chapter 7 verse 21, we read this last week. Paul says this, he says, so I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. You ever felt like that? For in my inner being I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. We talked about this last week, and I think it's very important to know, if you don't take your thoughts captive, what Paul said in Romans chapter 7 is that you will become a prisoner of your thoughts. And that's how many of us live, is that we love Jesus and we come to church, but we are a prisoner of cycles of thinking. And you can call them strongholds, you can call them whatever, but, it, but it's, it's patterns of thought that keeps us from experiencing the freedom that we can have in Jesus. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3, it says, But I am afraid, just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. There is a battle over the way that you think. A.W. Tozer says, what we think about God is the most, or I should say this way, the things we think about God are the most important things about us. The thoughts we think about him are the most important thoughts that we have. There is a battle over your mind. There is a battle over how you think and who you think God is. Our culture helps us have a battle on if God is good or not. Friends, God's good. And his ways are not our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And we don't understand why things happen in this world like they do. But God, don't make any mistake about it. God is good. And he is faithful. And God will use even what the enemy meant for evil. And he'll turn it for good. God, 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 God will use tragedy and devastation that the world is riddled by to turn around and get his glory and save a soul and save a city or wake up believers. God, God will turn what the enemy did, his work, because God didn't do what we saw. The enemy did what we saw, but God will use it. And he'll turn it somehow out for good. 2 Timothy 1.7 is what we started with. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. I, this is a silly illustration, but I, I want to give it to you. I, I got to be careful about how I talk about my parents now that they moved here. Because now, you know, it's like I'm telling all these examples. But this is a good one. This is a good one. My, my mom took real good care of me when I was growing up. You knew I was a picky eater. I talked about that last week. And yeah, it's, it's a little embarrassing. But um, she would, like, make us orange juice. And um, the orange juice, for me, you know, I didn't like the pulp. I don't know if I got any pulp haters out there. Okay, I'm the only one. Awesome. Um, I didn't like it, and so because I was, like, unable to, like, get the pulp out myself, my mom would use a strainer over the cup. She would pour my orange juice through the strainer, take all the pulp, and go throw it away. Y'all pray for Jamie. I just thought that was, like, how marriage was going to be. I'm like, this is just, like, <laughs> she had to disciple me. I'm like, why is there pulp in my orange juice? She's like, you better go get your own pulp out of that. The strainer would collect all the pulp, and the concentrated juice would go through that strainer. If you don't strain your thoughts, you will never have pure freedom 
in your life. I know you want to get to a place where it's like, I don't have to have any, any strainer or any filter. I just think that, the, no, no, no. That's why Paul said, take every thought captive and make it obedient. Make it obey Christ. You have to have a strainer. And the strainer is the word of God, the truth of God's word. And I strain my thoughts through his filter. And what remains is freedom. And what remains is pure. And what remains is peace. And what remains is power. And what our world needs is what remains. We can't get caught up in feelings or thoughts that are contrary to the law of God. We have to allow the law of God, the word of God, to discipline and disciple our lives and to filter out any lie so that we can live in the truth of his word. I felt the Holy Spirit speak to me this morning that God was going to set people free that had become prisoners. In your, We prayed last week. We prayed before this message. And we're going to pray again today. Because there is a battle over the mind of God's people. Some of the most intellectual, some of the most successful, some of the most smart people I've ever met have still battled with the way that they think. If you pulled each and every one of us across this place, everybody watching online, you would be able to find some well-worn path that if the situation's right, if the stress is right, if the chaos is right, we're there. God, where are you? Whoa, whoa, what? God, why did you? What, what is that path? What is that? We got we to gotta be transformed by the renewing of our mind. Y'all remember Etch-a-Sketches? Anybody old enough to remember Etch-a-Sketches? You could like draw on it, and, and, it's, and, and then after you draw whatever, some of you are like, what is it? Don't worry about it. I guess YouTube that too. Then you would, somebody got it, somebody shake it. Then you would shake it. And whatever you wrote, somebody just said, oh, okay. It's getting, uh, it's probably a young person. And you would shake it, and the picture would disappear. Transformed by the renewing. When you begin to meditate on the truth, you start shaking out what the enemy tried to draw on your mind, on your history, on your legacy, on your health, on your prosperity, on your... what. Whatever we shake, we shake it. I'm transformed by the renewing of my mind. I'm called by God. I'm favored by God. I'm the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus who called me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthened what I, I, things start to change when you start to apply his word and expose his lies and take captive every thought and bring it obe- into obedience of the word of God. I want you to stand up with me all across this place. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. I'm going to tell you this, we're going to have a sound mind. No matter what the world throws at you, no matter what culture throws at you, no matter what we walk through as a city or as a church, we will be the testimony to our world because we in the midst of chaos will have a sound mind. That does not mean we don't grieve. That does not mean we don't empathize and sympathize. It means that we will not lose our minds because we have a sound mind, a mind that trusts God, a mind that believes God, a mind that is actually convinced that God is good and God is faithful.